This tour report is made possible by Teal College, the road to a rewarding and lucrative career in mental health counseling, speech-language pathology, physician assistant, or nursing starts at Teal College. Teal offers undergraduate and graduate degree programs for in-demand careers. Learn more at teal.edu. And by Botkin Family Wealth Management, headquartered in Peters Township, with offices in Ligonier. Sarah and Les are certified financial planners, and Lester is a chartered financial analyst. The father-daughter-son team offers comprehensive investment advice. For more information, BotkinFamilyWealth.com. And we have live on the phone, Jim Cunningham, live from Hamburg, Germany. Good morning, Jim. Guten Morgen from Hamburg, Germany. We are in the corner office of the Intendant. We are in the office of Christoph Liebenzeuter, who's in charge of everything here at the Elbe Philharmonie. And his commanding view of the Elbe, we see the shipping on the water and beautiful white puffy clouds, blue skies, sunshine. And uh, Herr Liebenzeuter's office is very white. Uh, it's an absolutely glorious Space in the center of it all. You are in charge of this magnificent facility. Herr Liebenzeiter, what a joy to be with you. Yeah, great that you're here, that you're um, uh, brought this wonderful orchestra um, from the States over. Finally, we had to put this uh, last tour had to be canceled due to COVID, and now finally it was possible. And yesterday night was a great, great concert. We were just looking at a review. Apparently, uh, Norman Lebrecht has something on his uh, slip disc. Column today. Who will review the concert in Hamburg? Do you know which papers still write about classical music with critics? There is one major local newspaper, the Abendblatt, and they literally write every day about what's happening at the Elbphilharmonie. To the dismay of many other cultural <laughs> entities, theaters, they would also, also love to get some space in the, in the paper. But the Elbphilharmonie uh, being uh, not only the concert hall, but also the landmark building of Hamburg, um, yeah, is always good for news. So people love to read about what's going on here. You greeted the orchestra yesterday at rehearsal with Manfred Honeck warmly, and there was applause. I was in the hall, and you were facing the orchestra. I couldn't pick up every word of what you said. What did you say to the Pittsburgh Symphony yesterday? Oh, I can't really remember. I was welcoming them and said they're lucky that they're coming in the summer because we Germans are very worried that we can't pay the gas bill in the winter. So it might not be heated in the winter, but now it's still warm in Hamburg, so it's, they should have a good time here in, in Hamburg. No, of course, I welcome them back. It's not the first time that here the Elbphilharmonie and I uh, also told them that we are very fond of having Manfred Horneck back, who is also regular with the local orchestra and the Jahr Elbphilharmonie Orchestra. Um, and is one of my favorite uh, conductors, and he did a marvelous job yesterday. Before you took over the Elbe Philharmonie, you were at the Concert House in Vienna with concert direction there. That's uh, right next to where the orchestra stayed at, at their visit at Grafenegg the other night. Did you hear Manfred Honeck all the way back to his years as a member of the Vienna Philharmonic, or just since he started his conducting career? Uh Yes, no. Of course, uh, he was playing in the in the orchestra when when I listened to the, to to uh, the Vienna Phil as a kid or as a teenager. Uh, but really, one of the very first uh, months in the, one of the very first months of my professional career as assistant of the former director at the concert was Alexander Pereira. Uh, Manfred, who really had his first concert with the local youth orchestra, he had to step in and take over a very complex 
Frank Martin Oratorio, where the original conductor cancelled during the rehearsals. And he really had to take over overnight the rehearsals and he didn't know the, the piece. So I had to bring in the score home to his place. This is where I met him for the first time face to face. And I still remember him opening the door with lots of little kids around his feet. And this was our first encounter. But he did great stuff in Vienna, and then I was in Zurich at the opera, where he also uh, had a prominent role. And so um, I'm following his career since, uh, I don't know, 35 years. He loves this place, the Elbville Harmonie. Would you help me for folks, who our listeners who have not been here and not seen it yet, perhaps not even read about it? It's hard to imagine it was in the news headlines while it was being built for more than a decade. And uh, it's become one of the most successful concert halls in the world. But would you help me describe what it looks like and, and what's going on? Yeah, the El Philharmonie is a unique project because it's a, a concert hall built on top of an old warehouse structure in the former harbor area of Hamburg. Hamburg is a harbor town, it's one of the biggest harbors in Europe because it's uh, the river Elbe flows right through it and not on the sea, it's about um, 80 kilometers to the North Sea, but all the huge container ships come, come up here into the harbor. Uh, so the former harbor area um, has been redeveloped into a new part of town, and, and the landmark building is this El Philharmonie, uh, which is, looks sensational from the outside, has a spectacular a location with water on three sides of the building, with spectacular views out of the building. On one side you have the harbor, on the other side you have the city, and then we have two marvelous concert halls. In addition, there's also a hotel, there there's apartments, there's a restaurant, but, but the main purpose is the concert hall, and especially the, the um, uh, great hall um, is, is also a unique um, hall, one of its kind, a kind of vineyard-style hall, but in a very peculiar, um, um, uh, very inspiring space. The whole thing is designed um, by Herzog and Demeron, one of the leading architectural offices of the world. And uh, what's also very important is that it, it's open all day. It's the platform between the old structure and, and, and the new glass top. It's open and accessible by a huge escalator. So we have thousands of people every day um, so far in our first uh, um, uh, five years. Uh, we had over 16 million visitors in the building. And only a fraction of those uh, were able to see a concert. Um, and we were always sold out every single night until the pandemic. And now we are still very well sold. But now finally we can also get tickets also on short notice and not only on the black markets, um, but still it's a 95% attendance. So we are very happy in times like these um, to have such a successful place. I was assuming last night that there were some visitors because there was some applause between the movements of the, the Mahler and, and the Ravel. And these may be new people to classical music, which is exactly what we want, new people. You're right. It, it's still um, also it's still summer, so there are lots of tourists in towns, and and uh, they buy part of the ticket. So uh, it's it's not the rule, but it happens. Um, um, applause uh, um, uh, between movements, and the normal attitude of our team and also of the conductors is, oh, great, there are new people, <laughs> and, and they will learn it. And and uh, later in the year, when we have our subscription series, it gets more back to normal. So it always depends. But but I hate are those. Nobby classical connoisseurs who say, oh, what a dreadful place. People are applauding between the movements, where in, in, uh, uh, most of the, the, the symphonies were written in a time where this was completely normal. I mean, uh, Mozart, Beethoven, they all expected applause after every movement. 
Um, of course, sometimes it's not so appropriate. But um, we know that uh, people um, learn it, how to listen to music. And what we uh, really succeeded is in uh, tripling the audience for classical music in the town of Hamburg, in the city of Hamburg, um, yeah, over very short periods. So it's, it's before the opening, there's, there's one lovely old historic concert hall, the Leishalle, uh, and now since El Philharmonie has opened, Leistel and El Philharmonie together have more than 1.2 million concert goers per season, and this is more or less more than three times as uh, used before the um, as it used to be before the opening. How are you feeling about the health of classical music? It sounds like a very positive view from the El Philharmonie with a full house, and yet we keep reading that the coronavirus was very difficult for the audiences, and they are only slowly coming back, and there's the transition from the compact disc to streaming media. Uh, how are you feeling about the overall health of classical music and ticket sales? I mean, classical music is here to stay. It's something unique, something strong, something people need, and something people love if they come. And so the tricky part is bringing people, uh, bringing, um, people into the concert halls, and, uh, yes, building a sensational uh, place helps. So the people are attracted by, by, the, um, uh, by the overall experience, obviously. We get lots of young people as well. Um, I completely believe in live music. I think, is, of course, streaming and digital is additional. It's very helpful. You can get an idea of what it's all about, but can never be a substitute for the real life experience. And this is what we all really learned in the, in the lockdown times in covid that audience, they, they all had tears in their eyes when they could finally come back and really experience life, the energy of, of live music and this exchange between the artists and the audience. So um, I think live music is here to stay, but it's, it's not, um, you, you have to do something. You have to think about how to attract uh, new generations, how to make your, your venue more attractive, the way you communicate, the way you present yourself on the Internet. Uh, everything has to change. Like everywhere else, I mean, there's hardly any business which doesn't have to, to redefine itself and, and I go with the time. So it's, it's a lot of work, but, but um, as the film money shows, there is future in classical music. And how are you planning for the future with the streaming of video from the hall, the media and uh, the marketing efforts? Uh, when you look out over the next few seasons and it's possible many of the tourists will have come and will have seen the hall, then what are you thinking about the future audience? Uh, we still, first, we, we program and work for the local audience. So it's still uh, 80% of, of the concert um, ticket buyers are from Hamburg and the um, metropolitan region, more or less. So tourists, um, uh, tourists are, are welcomed, and it's, but it's still the icing on the cake, and they really want to see the building. So we don't want to depend on tourism coming. The, 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 the uh, good cultural life comes out of the population of a, of a city, and so we really try to make people to come again and again. They, they, we, we think you have to be here at least three times, and then you're hooked. And then you're an addict, and then you won't leave us anymore. This is our, our uh, recipe. Um, so, and we think there are still Hamburg has two million um, inhabitants. Uh, there are many more people going to classical music as they used to do, but there is still a huge potential. 
many people who think, oh, it's too expensive or it's not for them or um, whatever. So there are all kinds of prejudices. Eight Philemony was quite a disaster in the in the making, and, and when it was built, it was huge. It had huge cost overruns. Uh, we uh, it's, the whole building ran seven years late. So it had a very bad reputation before the opening, being such a disaster and such a waste of money. So some people still think it, it was so expensive, so I'm sure I can't afford the tickets because it was so expensive. And from one week to the next around the opening, it, it turned from a disaster to a sensation. We were always sold out, and now finally uh, we have at least some tickets available where we can invite new audiences and, and say, yeah, let's have a try. Here's some interesting tickets for students, for now for refugees as well. So we just have special rates for Ukrainian refugees. Many uh, hundreds of thousands are coming over from Ukraine. We did the same when the Syrian refugees crisis hit us. So um, we really thinking about how, how will the um, population look like in five years, in ten years, and, and they should all be also part of, of, of the cultural life of the city. Do you do routine broadcasts? It's the North German Radio Orchestra, is it not? So the orchestra yep. has a regular presence on network radio across the country. Yes, it's, it's the resident orchestra. It's, it's the orchestra. Of the, they, they call themselves NDR, Philharmonie Orchestra, but it's, they belong to the North German Radio. Of course, all the concerts are broadcasted. Apart from that, uh, only a few we invite all the great orchestras from all across the world, like Pittsburgh. So we have almost 50 orchestra, international orchestras every season, and they usually do uh, not only one, but sometimes two, three concerts. So we have an incredible amount of uh, um, concerts and season, plus jazz, plus world music, plus plus a bit of other stuff. Um, we are uh, there is the occasional transmission, and we do uh, uh, live streaming on video. We use YouTube as a as a um, as a distributor. Um, so we have some of them online. You can find them on our website, but it's not the main focus. It's live music. We have a program for the audience and make festivals for the audience. We have subscription series, and occasionally we put something out there um, so that people all across the world can get an idea what the phenomenon is about, but you will never, ever fully get it unless you're coming here and experience it here in the hall. Don't you agree? I couldn't agree more, and you have so much going on here with a series of new music. You mentioned the programs for young people visiting orchestras for Pittsburgh tourists or Pittsburgh travelers. What should they come to see at the Elbe Harmony in the coming uh, season that you have planned? There's, there's just too much stuff. As I said, they're all the great, uh, Vienna Philharmonic, best orchestra in the world. I would say they come every year for three different uh, projects, for example. Um, we have uh, small and big festivals. We usually have a big music festival around May, which is a good um, a moment to, to get uh, lots of interesting um, productions. We do opera and concerts, um, but we also do crazy stuff like we just have an Afro-Futurism Afro festival um, just started with, with American jazz music um, or, um, um, yeah, all kinds of, of, um, of, of, of good stuff. Too, too much to mention. I must let you get back to your planning work, so I will say goodbye, but I can't tell you how thrilled we are to be here. When you were listening to the Pittsburgh Symphony last night, do you hear any special qualities in the sound of the orchestra? They played two encores. Celine Grimaud was amazing with her Ravel concerto. She played an encore. It was a very exciting night of music. Tonight we have yet another with Gautier Caposon. Yes, and I'm also very interested in, in uh, Manfred Honeck's own uh, 
suite of uh, music from the Electra Opera of Richard Strauss. I'm very much looking forward because the regular pieces, they are performed very often. We had yesterday we had a wonderful Mahler one, but I, I just had three different Mahler ones last May only. Still, it was absolutely worthwhile because it was, I really loved both the, the perfection of the orchestra and the great sound, but especially the, the Viennese or Austrian attitudes. There were so many, um, uh, Manfred, of course, knows where the music is coming from. And it's really the music from, from, from the dance troops, from the mountains. Um, and then you really, as an Austrian, I can tell you, you could really feel um, uh, where the music came from. So it was a very special performance of Mahler. Um, uh, of Mahler first, and to, uh, today, um, you know, Capuçon will play the the uh, Concerto for the third time in three years. He did it with Vienna Phil last year. <laughs> um, but I'm very much looking forward because he's one of the best for this concert. Um, he's, he's such a marvelous cellist. And uh, of course, the hall is, is can do both. It, it's, it can it transports the most intimate sound. So we you hear all the. It's, it's very. Acoustic is very, um, uh, uh, very different rated. You hear all the little details in the orchestra, and uh, you can, when they hardly make a noise, you still hear it in a full hall on 2,000 feet, but it can also take the most louder sound explosions. And, and really the orchestra yesterday proved this. So there was really this from, from hardly um, listenable to, to full um, sound uh, was was a great acoustic experience. Of course, Manfred knows the hall quite well, so um, uh, was was a really highlight. Christoph Liebenzeuter, such a joy to be with you, and I have to mention that you are a supporter of our non-commercial radio system in the United States. As a member of Los Angeles uh, KCRW, you told me before we sat down, although KCRW doesn't play any classical music that I'm aware of. I think they play a lot of rock and roll. But I love rock and roll music and jazz and hip-hop as well. It's great music as well. They do a good job with the news. So thank you for supporting the station. Do you know what you pay to the German government in the way of a tax to have uh, classical music on the NDR, on the radio, and on television? It's extracted annually, isn't it? $100, $300? It comes, you don't have to do, as we do, an annual contribution voluntarily. It comes from your taxes, I believe. Well, it's hardly avoidable. Every citizen has to pay it. It's not much, but it's, um, I actually don't know, because it's so, it's like you just do it. You just do it like like you pay your electricity bill, and, and you can hardly opt out because nobody believes you that they don't own a radio or a TV set. Uh, so so uh, 20 euros, which is about $20 a month. Seems like a bargain, that's for sure. Christoph Liebenzeuter, thank you so much for having Pittsburgh. We hope to come back again. Sure, you will, yeah. Auf Wiedersehen. Vielen, vielen Dank. Thank you very much. And thank you, Jim. You can hear Jim's tour reports weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m. And for more coverage, visit our website at wqedfm.org. This tour report is made possible by Botkin Family Wealth Management, headquartered in Peters Township with offices in Ligonier. Sarah and Les are certified financial planners, and Lester is a chartered financial analyst. The father-daughter-son team offers comprehensive investment advice. For more information, BotkinFamilyWealth.com. And by Teal College, the road to a rewarding and lucrative career in mental health counseling, speech-language pathology, physician assistant, or nursing starts at Teal College. Teal offers undergraduate and graduate degree programs for in-demand careers. Learn more at teal.edu.